Hey everyone, this is Dave DeBow with another episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. Today, zooming in from beautiful Asheville, North Carolina, we've got Chris Larson. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, Dave. Excited to be here. Well, I'm excited to have you. I was just, it seems like just a few minutes ago, I was on your podcast. So it's, uh, Indeed. it's, a, lot, it's a lot of fun. So Chris is a very, very accomplished real estate entrepreneur. He's a podcast host. He's a multifamily guy. He's a syndicator. He's raised millions of dollars for his real estate deals. He's a very smart guy. In fact, my goodness, I'm looking at your bio here. Degree in biomechanical engineering plus an MBA thrown in there just for good measure. Worked for many, many years, almost two decades in the medical device industry. Was that primarily in sales, Chris? Is, is that what you're? I was, yep, absolutely. Yeah, mostly in sales, sales, and really, it's it's a very high service industry. So you know, if you look at it, it's it's a small portion of sales, lots of service, but absolutely sales. So, Chris, I don't usually do this, but I think the you know, because we we've talked with a lot of people that are into multifamily and syndicating, so that's that's you know nothing really new. However, what I find really fascinating about you really is the backstory about how you got into real estate, your whole philosophy around financial independence. So if you don't mind, can you just kind of walk us through what took this bright young guy, you know, in getting all these degrees and doing smart stuff, what got you into real estate investing and what keeps you going, you know, motivated these days? Absolutely. You know, Simon Sinek talks about like the why and, you know, people are like, why do you, you know, why do you do what you do, Chris? You know, you don't, you know, if you're financially independent, you don't have to do anything anymore, you know, from a work perspective, why you did, why do you do it? And, you know, I'll, I'll kind of dive deep into that and I appreciate the compliment on the intelligence, but it's funny because I never saw myself as that smart because I spent all these years, you know, around engineers who were getting PhDs. And then my, my career in sales, I work with neurosurgeons and orthopedic spine surgeons. And then I was, when I was racing bicycles, you know, the people I was, I were racing against, they went on to become professionals. And, you know, I thought I was, you know, pretty good, but you know, it's interesting how your perspective shifts and changes over time. So I've always, I've always tried to continue to educate myself and look for smarter people that are out there. But what really drives me, Dave, um, I talk about this in, in my book, which I'm happy to share with you yeah. if you're listening today. But when I was when I was five, my father passed away, and that had a big that had a big kind of like subconscious impact on me. But what was an even bigger impact was my training partner, my roommate, my best friend was like a brother to me. Chris Strader passed away when he was only eighteen years old. I was nineteen. I just turned nineteen a month before, not even. It was June twenty first. It was less than two weeks after my my nineteenth birthday. He had a massive brain hemorrhage and passed away. And I get I get chills, you know, kind of still thinking about the day. But I went back to school. I was in college at Virginia Tech, studying engineering. I put my head down. I raced for another year. And after being having the most successful year of my life racing, I was an all-American cyclist. I was winning, you know, these pro-am races. So I was at a level category one in cycling, which means you race with the pros. And I was re like, you know, winning local and some regional races. And what I found was I wasn't happy. It was like it was hollow. I went back to school and I ended up I, I quit racing. And I was really lost because all I wanted to be was a professional cyclist. I didn't really want to be an engineer. I thought, I'm going to be a pro. I'm going to go back to school and figure out what I wanted to do. And long story short, I ended up, I got an MBA because I was, I was interested in finance and investing. And I wanted to be an investor because I knew if I was going to live my best life and I was going to honor Chris, who didn't have a chance to live his life, I had to have the financial means to do it. 
And I was, I had already been investing for a couple of years. Um, and again, I talk about that full story in my book, but I thought, okay, if I can, if I can get on a track where I can be financially independent, I can really live my best life and do that. So I set this plan in place to, to be an investor. I bought my first property at age 21, you know, so more than, more than two decades ago. And you know, ultimately, you know, transitioned that portfolio into multifamily real estate, commercial portfolio, um, which is what we focus on today. But what has always driven me is that, you know, th- that gift that I feel like I'm given every day that I wake up. And really the pledge I made to myself, which was two things. One, I would live every day to its fullest. I didn't want to have any regrets. And two, that I would honor Chris's life by making the most out of the life that I've been given. Wow. It, it is amazing how some of the crappiest experiences in our lives can, if we choose to, be transformed into something that just brings so much more meaning to our lives. I, I, I haven't always been successful at that myself, but the times I have, it's, you know, when you can turn that horrendous experience around and, and create something, I don't know, create something positive out of it, but help you propel yourself to, towards something more positive. That's the ultimate way to, to turn things around, definitely. Yeah. So hats off to you for that. So your father passed away when you were very young. How did you kind of come up with investing as being your goal? Because I mean, that's especially the kind of schooling that you were taking, what what you were going through in university, the people that you were working with and hanging out with, they probably didn't have that mindset. They probably had the employee, high paid employee, but the employee mindset. So where did that come from? You're absolutely right. So I think I think I was blessed a bit genetically. My father that passed away was an entrepreneur. I just read actually that Warren Buffett sold Kirby. So he owned the Kirby company. My father had a Kirby distributorship. He had a plane, which unfortunately was how he he passed away when his engine failed over Lake Michigan. He had Harley Davidson's abode, a nice home in a, in a you know a nice area in Maryland outside of Annapolis. So if you looked at him from the outside, you'd say, oh, he's he's pretty successful. I didn't get to know him, but he was an entrepreneur. He was an entrepreneur. But what I saw, I saw a couple things. I saw my parents; they were savers. We didn't have a ton of money after my father died. My mother remarried. You know, we were comfortable enough, but you know, it was definitely a firm middle class lifestyle. But as I got older, and then when I was in school, what I found was a lot of my peers they weren't. It didn't like excite them to become an engineer. And there was a movie called Office Space that was out there. Yeah, and they were people. Yeah, people (laughs) were miserable. And I'll just I'll never forget watching that with my buddies. And I was like. We're like, well, nobody's going to, you know, nobody's going to end up like that. And I just, because I didn't want to be an engineer, I wanted to race my bike. You don't make a lot of money racing bikes. So the same family friend that introduced us into, introduced me to cycling, gave me a money magazine. And it was right after the Roth IRA bill was passed in Congress, creating the the ability to have a Roth IRA and talked about compound interest. So immediately I started an, an account. Started Roth IRA, invested with Vanguard. I was day trading and learning all this stuff. Read Rich Dad Poor Dad and and learned about that. My uncle was an entrepreneur who I spent a ton of time with. He taught me how to how to ski, how to kayak. I taught him how to how to ride bikes. We did a lot of riding together. He was a real father figure for me. So I had kind of these, you know, I had the negative influences of my peers that were in engineering and kind of what that looked like. And then I had these positive influences from an entrepreneurial side. You know, also again, like Rich Dad Poor Dad and some other websites that I was reading at the time because the internet was exploding in the late 90s. So I had all this information that I was reading. And what I kind of imprinted on me 
as a cyclist, you're like, you're probably not going to make a lot of money, even if you're a professional. So I was looking for other ways that I could pursue my passion in life as a cyclist, but not give up the ability to you know, have a decent life that was out there. So I started a loft business in college. I started investing. You started what and, kind of business in college? Loft? Uh, Lofts. So these loft beds that you would sell to students for $100, it's, it's a wooden structure and you put your, your mattress on it. And that means you'd have the whole floor underneath of it ah, to do. So I'd make, I'd make like $10,000 the weekend before college started, which for a college kid, that's not too bad. Very good. Again, I had, I had multiple different influences. And then in the back of my head, I mentioned when my father died, like I had this subconscious influence. And what I mean by that is I got closer to the age he died, which was 41. What I realized was I had this like ticking clock in my head that said, hey, Chris, you might not be here for your family. You might not be here you know, tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I knew I had to put these financial pieces in place so that my family was secure. And that's why I'm so passionate about life insurance, but also that you know, I, could, I didn't have to work my life away and do that. Wow. That's another fantastic idea. Hold on to that thought for a sec. We'll be right back. Now, are you a real estate investor who's run out of cash or credit to grow your portfolio? Are you looking to grow your portfolio using other people's money and raising capital? Well, I want to show you how to raise six figures or more in six weeks or less at my upcoming Investor Attraction Workshop. You can get your ticket and find out all about it at InvestorAttractionWorkshop.com. We're going to spend a full day taking a deep dive into this roadmap that I've used to raise millions for my deals, and I've helped other people just like you cumulatively raise hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars for their deals as well. So again, you can check that out at InvestorAttractionWorkshop.com. And as a loyal listener to the podcast, you'll get 50% off your ticket when you use the discount code PODCAST. That's right, discount code PODCAST at InvestorAttractionWorkshop.com. See you at the next workshop. Yeah, very, very, very interesting because you're you're so close to it so much at such a young age, right? Uh, surrounded by this, this kind of profound loss. All right, well, let's switch gears for a few minutes here, Chris. And, and now you're into multifamily investing, you're into syndications, you're going strong with that. That's, that's going great. Why don't we rewind a few year, a few years, five or six years when you first started the whole syndication thing? Can you just kind of walk us through briefly? How did that look at the beginning? What kind of process did you go through and, and where are things at right now? What's working really well for you for finding investors, raising capital, syndicating deals these days? Absolutely. So Dave, you got a great program. You know, we, we talked about it when you were a guest on, on my podcast, which you haven't checked it out. Make sure you go to the website, nextlevelincome.com and check out Dave's interview. Super tons of value in there. But I started, I, was, I had, I had a, a portfolio of single family rentals that I managed myself for 15 years. And what I realized was after 15 years, the returns weren't that great. They were a pain in the butt. And you just don't want to be dealing with you know, 10, 20, or certainly not 100 tenants on a on a daily basis. On a house by like, house basis. <laughs> exactly. Like there's got to be a better way, right? Yeah. And I was in a meeting with my wife and I was talking to some somebody about this. He goes, hey, you should talk to my friend. They they syndicate, I don't know if you use that terminology, but they syndicate multifamily deals. You know, they they bring investors in for apartments. And I'm like, okay. So I talked to him. I'm like, this makes so much sense from a demographics perspective and also from a scale perspective. Because here I am, I'm a professional in the sales industry working 60 to 100 hours a week. And that's not an exaggeration at all. you know. And I didn't want to deal with anything else. I wanted to spend time with my young children and my wife. 
So I sold all my, I sold my entire portfolio, moved into multifamily. And eventually my, my first partner and I, three years later, we started doing the same thing. And what happened was I realized talking to people, there was a lot of people that I knew that had the same issue. They wanted passive income. They didn't want to deal with things themselves. And people just kept asking me like, well, what do you do? What do you invest in? You know, how do you structure your insurance? How do you structure your finances and these sorts of things? And my MBA is in, is in portfolio management. So they were asking me these questions. And as the years went on, I realized I have to, you know, I feel this obligation. I should help people like teach them a shortcut because I had people help me out. And that's really why we founded Next Level Income was to teach people shortcuts to become financially independent. So, and that's, that's the reason why we now syndicate deals because, you know, obviously it's a way for us to buy bigger deals and, and have less risk and, and do well as general partners. But the other reason is, you know, part of our mission is giving investors these opportunities to do it. So over time, I'd say I kind of stumbled through like, you know, when we were talking, when we had you on our show, but over time I figured out that, you know, having a podcast to educate and, you know, giving people these opportunities, you know, it's a great synergy between my experience, my skill set, and you know what investors are looking for out there today. So if you don't mind, for the folks that are a little bit rusty on what syndication is, how does it look like for you? You're the general partner. Are you proactively finding the deals, getting them under, under contract, raising the capital for them? And then once you buy them, are you actively managing these properties? Or what does it look like for, for your particular model, if you don't mind sharing, Chris? Absolutely. So starting off, like many entrepreneurs, you do it all, right? My partner and I starting off, it was it was everything. Now as our as our business is scaled, you know, we start, we have teams. So we have an acquisitions team that goes out there and they're traveling on the road every day. We have an individual that manages all the property managers managers for our apartment. You know, we have somebody that does all the underwriting, secures the financing. And I've kind of over time, I've I continue to underwrite deals. Actually, as soon as I hang up on this podcast. I'm driving to Charleston, South Carolina, where we have a deal under contract uh, to tour that deal and go through some of the final underwriting processes and due diligence on that. But I focus on the underwriting. I focus on the investor relations side. You know, you mentioned the capital raising portion. You know, it, it's kind of maybe it's a salesperson. I mean, I still enjoy educating investors, but also that ticking clock when it comes to raising capital for a deal to get it done. And, you know, so I, I focus a lot on that part as well. And then after the fact, you know, overseeing the property management, making sure that the right levers are turned, the right or levers are pulled, the right knobs are turned to make sure that everything is going well and, and eventually communicating to that to investors as well. Very cool. So yeah. from five years or six years ago, when you first started syndicating to, to now, what did the portfolio mm -hmm. look like then? What does it look like now? Because it sounds like you got a pretty big yeah. team going on. Yeah, so we are. Let's see here. I think the current acquisition will put us at at twelve properties in the portfolio. We've had some exits here recently. That's why I said I think you know we're we're right like twelve, thirteen total. I think this is our eighteenth total project. You know, over the years, um, when it started off, I was just a I was just an investor myself in two deals. That first year, that's actually why I love Charleston, South Carolina. That was the site of my first syndication that I personally invested in. So every year we do somewhere around four deals now. So the portfolio grows, you know, some deals cycle through full now these, cycle. These are quite That's large it. apartment buildings, I'm, I'm assuming. Is that correct? What's, what size are we looking yeah. at? Yeah. So when it comes to apartments now, Dave, we love the Southeast in the United States, and we're typically targeting properties that are 50 to $100 million in scope. So really institutional quality assets, B plus, 
A value add deals. So a little bit less of a heavy lift than those 70, 70s vintage, 70s built properties when we were first starting out that were a little heavier lift. You know, Cap rates have compressed a lot down in this market in that area. And we still see there's some good value to be had in the, in the properties that we're going into if you can efficiently manage them and really, like I said, turn those knobs and pull those levers in the right places. Awesome. Fantastic stuff. Chris, if people want to find out about your book and find out more about you and connect with you, what should they do? Yeah, thank you. I told you I could get the, get the book for free here if you're listening. Just go to nextlevelincome.com. There's a book link. You can put your email in there. You'll get a free download of the ebook. And so tell us what the book is again. Just to, just oh, yeah. Next Level Income. There yeah, right. Next Level Income. And I'll even send you a copy if you're in the United States or Canada for free if you put your address in there. Fantastic. Very good. So again, nextlevelincome.com, correct? Yes, so sir. I'll have all of that in the show notes. But Chris, thank you very much for uh, sharing your story, your inspiration. I think that was that was great. I mean, it 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 really goes to show how something can really put things in perspective and really help you dial in your why. And and I don't know. I, I'm I'm assuming, but once you've got that why really figured out, the how becomes so much easier. Would you agree? It does. And that's really I tell my coaching clients, Dave, you know, pick pick your vision, where you want your future to be. And just like if you're driving and you're using Google or Apple Maps or Waze or whatever you want, sometimes you put it in that destination and it takes you on that route that you think it's going to take you on. Sometimes there's a detour that happens. And you may not know where life is going to take you, you know, on that detour. But if you have a clear vision of where you're going and why you're going there, you will get there. Yeah, you get back on track. Been a lot of fun. Thank you very much, Chris. Thank you, Dave. It's been a blast talking to you. All right, everybody, take care. And we'll talk to you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Well, hey there. Thanks for tuning into the Property Profits Podcast. If you like this episode, that's great. Please go ahead and subscribe on iTunes. Give us a good review. That'd be awesome. I appreciate that. And if you're looking to attract investors and raise capital for your deals, then I'm going to invite you to get a complimentary copy of my newest book right back there. There it is. The Money Partner Formula. You can get a PDF version at InvestorAttractionBook.com. Again, InvestorAttractionBook.com. Take care.